this is Sydney, and this is the Daddy Dares podcast, where I explore the father-child relationship, including the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, This week has been kind of a rough week. Uh, I think isolation is just hitting me a little hard. I'm seeing a lot of my friends get vaccinated, which is so fantastic, and I think I'm just really eager to get mine as well. Um, I miss my family back in California, so... One day I will get there, but for now, I shall wait just a little while longer. Um, Additionally, if you know me, I actually really love to clean, and I have just refused to clean my kitchen all week, and I don't have any reason other than I look at it, and then I turn around, and then I come back to it, and then I turn around. I don't know what to do. I even have a dishwasher, so I really should just do it. So stay tuned. Um, So today's guest uh, is wild because we go into how having hard conversations saved her relationship with her father. Colts. Yeah, you you heard me right. Colts. And how therapy does wonders to our inner child. Um, We go also into a little bit about attachment theory, which I will link the resources in the show notes because it's really important to know what your attachment style is and what that means to your romantic relationships. So let's panic as we decide if none of the above or all of the above on a multiple choice question for an exam is in fact the correct answer and go down the triggering world of fatherhood. Hello. Hi. Oh How are you? I'm I'm doing well. I'm doing okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing okay. Uh, That's fair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like I don't know why I'm saying well like that like yeah. you know like I'm just like a shining star. No, I'm yeah. doing okay. I guess just tell me a little bit about your relationship with your father and kind of how that's going and where that is today. Sure. It's interesting when I, the very tiny amounts that I prepared for this, I was just like thinking like, okay, like, and I realized the thoughts that I was having was like things that I've learned from my father and like who my father is as a person. And it took me like a couple times of turning this around, be like, oh, but like, what is my relationship with my father? Like, that's a different question. Um, so that was just like interesting to me. Um, so my dad, my dad and I have a great relationship. Um, very good. I have was really blessed with good parents. Um, we are definitely he's definitely like a stereotypical dad, like growing up was very much the like teach you how to do things, um, was like little league practice coach, basketball coach, like all that stuff and was very much into fatherhood. Um, actually this is like a totally different conversation, but it's a crazy story. The way my parents got back together, they were together for a very short period of time when they were young, split up, got married to separate people, saw each other at a funeral of a mutual friend, got drinks later, and they were both in bad marriages. And they were like, let's get married and start a family. And they were like, and my dad was 40 and my mom was 30. 
six. It's since, I mean, it's a, there's so many details. It's a very, and they had no kids before that. No. So my dad had a stepdaughter, Danielle, who they were, it was like a big deal. So like they both broke up marriages and Danielle and her mom never spoke to my dad again. They were very hurt that he left, you know, which is understandable. Um, But yeah, so they actually, they met in a cult here in the Bay Area. It's called Synanon. You should look it up. Very interesting. Um, So they were together for nine months in Synanon, were forced to break up through like cult rules. It was like, no, like you have, they basically were forced to pair with another person. They got married to the people and left the cult um, and then saw each other outside of the cult in the eighties. Yeah, insane. So they never separated because they wanted to, they were like forced to separate. And so then when they got back together, it was very much because my mom was like, I want to have kids. My husband doesn't want to have kids. And the story that they always tell is my dad like blurs out like, well, I would have kids with you. And that's like how the conversation started. And that's how they ended up getting back together. So that part of like my childhood was like very like Americana, like picturesque, like mom stayed home for a while. And we were like always in the backyard and like, they're very much like in love with like having a little family. So it was like really, really sweet. Um, Our like angsty teen years, um, the issues that I've always had with my dad were communication things. So, which is, you know, everybody does. Um, But my, the way that my dad communicates is um, he, I don't know, like, it's not that he has a thick skin, but he doesn't, arguing kind of playful for him. And like a lot of what this cult actually was teaching was um, they had this thing called the game. And what it was was basically like an AA meeting, but you, it was like a truth t- time to like tell your truth about the people you're living with. And so it was very much like, okay, hash it out, say whatever you need to say to this person about this person, figure it out. But then outside the game, you are brothers and sisters and you love each other. So that's how like things would happen in my house. So like when there are issues, like my dad wouldn't be afraid to be like, you're even as like a 12 year old, I I think you're very immature. I think you're doing this, this and that. Um, Like you think that you know everything, but you don't like, um, and Or I would also be able to be like, you know, screw you. Like, I think you're being this, this, and that. I think you're being unfair. I think you're being mean. I don't think you're listening to me. And for me, that was really hard and like very personal. And I always cried. Like any, even if it was just like not an argument, but like we would have like some kind of like, can you do this? And my dad would start doing this thing and like digging into it. And I just would like immediately have an emotional reaction. I was just like, I can't do this. I can't do this. But for him, it was like, oh, no, we're hashing it out. Like, we're working it out. And it took me a really long time to get to this place of like, okay, even though he's mad at me, he's not really mad at me. Does that make sense? Like, the, I don't know if I'm, like, articulating this very well. But that, for a really long time, was really difficult for me, especially as, like, a, you know, pubescent kid when everything is, like, big and hard and, like, emotional. Like, it was 
torturous it felt to me I just like could not handle the way he wanted to communicate with me like he couldn't be gentle um he couldn't understand that like I was in no place to hear certain things right like he didn't know when to stop like it was like no we're going to figure this out kind of situation so that like really wounded our relationship for a while and it wasn't until like later in college where we like relearned how to communicate in a way that worked for us and so we like really had to work through that um so that's, I'm like, when I think about like issues that I have with my father, that's probably like the biggest one. Um, did you have these issues with your mom at all? Or did she? No, not at all, which is interesting. <laughs> so she was much more like emotionally intuitive, right? Like she would see me crying and she would be like, like, look, number one, like, I don't know how healthy this is. But I like never fought with my mom ever. Like I can remember my mom. Yeah. I mean, like, (laughs) like, sounds really healthy. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I was talking to my therapist about this like a year ago or something. And I was like, I'm kind of embarrassed. But like, I still think my mom's like a perfect person. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's funny. Um, But so, yeah. So no, our relationship was not that way. But the way that my dad talked to my mom was very similar in the way that he talked to me. And that was okay with them for most of the time. Now, when thinking back, like I remember my parents having these heated arguments and being really upset by it. um, And it freaked me out. And I don't think that they realized that even though to them that was like, oh, this is how we communicate, that it really freaked me out. And so if my dad started to get into this cycle that he gets in when there's an issue to be figured out, like, I was like, like, it was just so emotional right off the bat. Um, And so it took me a long time to be like, oh no, this is just how they communicate. Like, this is just how he figures things out. And like, um, I had to, to learn the words and like tell my dad, like, hey, look, like, even though this might not be emotional for you, it's emotional for me. And even though we both know we're gonna love each other on the back end, like, that still hurts and it's important that we like don't get to that threshold because it like doesn't work when did you have that conversation with him because that's like a very I can don't even know if I can do that now (laughs) well it took years right and we still I mean since moving out it happens a lot less right um but just being aware of it was like the biggest thing so we can be like whoa pump the brakes you know, like, okay, this is happening and we know this happens to us. And like, we just need to like, stop that cycle. Fighting any sort of cycle you get in and like an argument is so difficult. I mean, like it's almost impossible, but so to just like have that conversation work, I mean, it helps for sure. Um, yeah, sounds it. I, um, I don't know. You sound yeah. very healthy in your communication. So much therapy. <laughs> so <Yeah>. much therapy. <laughs> uh. Uh, everyone should go to therapy. It's so helpful. Um, yeah, because <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just about having the words, right? And like being able to be like, this is what's important to me and what's important to you. And can we like meet in the middle kind of thing? Um, I very, I have this one memory of talking with my dad about, um, so my ex-boyfriend was in between jobs. We had just moved back from Hawaii 
and was in between jobs and we were trying to figure out what we're going to do. And my mom has always, we had already been together for like five years at that point, four or five years. And my mom had always been like, Hey, if you like need a place to crash, you're both welcome to stay here. And so I just assumed that was okay. And so I'm talking to my dad and I'm like, yeah. So like when Cass moves in, we're thinking this, this and that. And he like blew up and got really mean. And um, I remember sitting there and it was like the first time he had like made me cry in a long time. So this was like a big deal. And I remember just like taking a deep breath and being like, look, like, what's the actual issue here? Cause like you are saying things that's like, just kind of like hurting my feelings right now. And like, <laughs> I remember him being like, it's, I like therapized my own father. And he was like, well, like you didn't even ask me if he could move in. And we were like talking about a totally different issue. And I was like, well, dude, like you need to tell me that's why you're upset instead of just like being angry about something else. Do you know what I mean? It was like such a boomer thing. He was just like, well, but then like this and that and it's just like getting angry about something else is totally not what he's angry about, you know? Um, so that's kind of like where our relationship is when it gets contentious. And like, I think he, we've reached like a place of respect about it too, um, which he was not capable of like probably 10 years ago, right? Like um, 10 years ago, like taking advice and listening to me was not as easy as it is now. And he, so he's almost 70, he's 70 now. So he's like a lot softer, like a much better listener you know, um, we've really like come into our like adult child parent relationship at this point, which is nice. That's how I feel about siblings as well. Is that yeah. like, if you were to tell me my relationship with my siblings when I was in my angsty teenage years, like it's mm -hmm. nowhere near where it is now. Like my brother called me and we talked on the phone for an hour last night mm -hmm. and I was like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk buddy. on the phone for an hour. Yeah. And it's just so wild to me that like those relationships grow and change mm -hmm. that way. Um, yeah. Which is good. But you have a sibling, right? Yes. Um, Did that relationship, relationship, was that, yeah, tell me more about that. Oh, goodness. So his relationship with my father is way different and way more heated than mine. So he like has not been able to get to that place. And like, he is much more in the like, oh, well he does this and he does that. And like, still has a hard time, like just kind of accepting my dad for being this imperfect boomer kind of dude. Um, and like, like for a boomer, like he's pretty open to like learning new things and stuff. I mean, like he was still like in a cult where like, people would like tell you exactly what they think of you and you had to like be okay with it, right? So in that way, like so appreciate that about him. Um, and, but he still like has his things and thinks he knows a lot of stuff that he doesn't know and it drives Lucas crazy. And uh, he, my brother, I just like, when I think about my dad and my brother, I think of like, they do have a lot of fun together, but then as soon as my dad does something, my brother doesn't like, my, it's just like the eye roll, always the eye roll. And he's just like, is, is, they're interesting. They're also very similar in a lot of ways and that always happens. And so they're always butting head in that, butting heads because of that. 
Um, That's unfortunately really common. Right? I, yeah. I mean, usually when you fight against a, a parent, there's mm-hmm. a lot more similarities, but at the end of the day, you're your own person and you can change whatever you need to change. But right. Um, right. yeah, that's, I feel the same way with my siblings too, which all three of us have very different relationships with our parents mm-hmm. all together, but it's like, yeah, but we all grew I know. up together. Right. And like in the same house and like saw the same stuff and yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah. Well, and I also um, think too, like, so with my research, what I've discovered is that boys are more adversely affected by uh, the father relationship. Uh, mm. Girls actually have the ability to kind of push through it. And it, it almost exactly what you were saying is that like, yes, you were mad and then you grew and then you address the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, that's pretty common with girls. I wouldn't say that's like, every time girls get, you know, are, are super great. But, um, it's one of the reasons why I dislike the fact that women are so acutely attached to the daddy issue term when I'm like, actually it's men. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I'm curious, like when I think about that, like, I think it boils down, everyone says it's like boils down to like dominance. And like being the dominant male in the household or, or like alpha status, right? Like that's the thing that I he, that I think of when it's like, does this boil down to that? Is that what you're seeing? Are those like the issues that boys are having with their dads or is it more broad? I mean, is it a different issue? Like, I think for fathers, you could say that it's really important for fathers to be involved in their children's lives because they are like having another sex in the household is important. Um, but we've really changed and and grown from what sex is in our society now. So mm-hmm. like I'm really interested to see kind of the research that comes out from from all of like the non-binary and like all of that. Mm-hmm. With that said, having a male figure in your house, has shown in research so far to be really significant and helpful to development, mm-hmm. which is bizarre because you wouldn't think that's important. You'd think just like, of course, just being loved and supported is is important, but fathers right. do play a really significant role in your development. And so if that gets altered in any way, which nobody's exactly. perfect, right, everyone yeah. gets altered, um, mm-hmm. then, you know, yeah. Choose your own path. Fascinating. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. It's true. You know, so like you chose the path of forgiveness in a way um, mm-hmm. of just like, not even just forgiveness from what I'm hearing. It's just, you are putting you yourself are. out. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're putting yourself out there and saying, Hey, I don't like this. Can we work on changing it or at least altering it? So it doesn't get as heated as it does. Mm-hmm. And, um, some people just can't do that, mm-hmm. yeah. um, you know, and that takes therapy. Everyone go to therapy. Yeah, please it's go great. to therapy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't have to be sad. And you don't have to, to be therapy. sad or have any problems. Yeah, you it can will just rock your world. I promise. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it will rock your world. Yeah. Uh, no, it's 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 wild, but there is a lot more research saying that because women tend to be the sole caregiver in a household 
even if you are in a household with a father, if the father's mm-hmm. not involved, then the male isn't going to get that. We get that from our mothers because typically our mothers are home or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. They're more attentive in the mm-hmm. household. And if fathers mm-hmm. aren't, then it's really detrimental. So, so I'm curious. Um, so did some of did you look into like the literal daddy issue? Like how having a father in your house or what type of father you have in the house affects your romantic relationships? So I would defer less of like the dads, but I would refer to like your attachment. So okay. there's a whole entire thing on attachment theory, which is mm-hmm. beyond fascinating. And I will like semi butcher it, but like, depending on your attachment, there's four different types of attachment styles will directly link to exactly how you are in a relationship. And that is wild. I am happy to send you information. I would love that. Yeah. I'll be Googling that later. Yeah. So it's less about your father and more just about how you were treated. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's called attachment theory. So you can have a secure attachment, avoidant, ambivalent, and disorganized. Mm. Um, So secure attachment. Most of those sound. (laughs) Yeah. So a secure attachment, you believe and trust that your needs are going to be met. Right. So that Mm -hmm. means like as a child, when you were hungry, you got fed. When you needed them, they were there. Mm -hmm. The uh, avoidant attachment. Uh, you like subconsciously believe that your needs probably won't be met, right? So Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that like, so you're probably like anxious, insecure, angry, because maybe they have betrayed, you know, you at some point. Ambivalent attachment is that you cannot rely on your needs being met. Mm. So yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. that's just period. Uh, Disorganized attachment is like you're really confused and you have no strategy on how to get your needs met. Oh, so making me sad. Yeah. Depressed, (laughs) angry, complete, like super passive, non-responsive. And Um, so you develop these attachments through the development of your childhood, basically, like based on the relationships you have as a young child, this is how you develop your attachment style. Okay. Correct. So then like, depending on which one you are, which Mm -hmm. a majority of us have secure attachments in some way, but like when you dive into those attachment theories, you're like, oh my gosh. And then that will directly affect how you choose your partner typically. Mm -hmm. So you might find somebody who, um, not like you, but like (laughs) you of the universe might like you find somebody who will fill those needs for you. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. the point is, is that like whatever happened to you as a child directly Mm -hmm. affects on your relationships as an adult. So if you've never had your needs met, you're probably going to, really gravitate towards somebody who is likely emotionally unavailable for you mm-hmm. um, because that is what you you kind of default to the attachment style that you had so mm-hmm. gotcha. I mean it, once you kind of figure it out you're like oh damn 
Mm-hmm. That's me. You know, yeah. might not mm-hmm. be everyone, but it it, it kind of starts hitting you that you're like, oh, yeah, that's the that's somebody I've dated. That's definitely mm-hmm. somebody I dated, or that's how they treated me. Really, right? right. That's mm-hmm. how they treated yeah. me, and you find similarities with your with how your attachment style was. Got it. Interesting. That's fascinating because now I'm thinking like, okay, well, what if you had like an absent father or a just would randomly show up father and then like solid mom? Like what kind of attachment style do you develop then? And like, that's fascinating. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, super good question. I don't know when it's a lot of, one of my biggest things with research um, is that there's not a lot of research on independent parents. It's a lot on, and actually not even a ton, but there's more on single mothers. And then when you talk about parenting styles or attachment styles, anything that's like a collective thing, it almost always assumes that it's the mother and father. But Mm. we all know that's not the reality of the situation. And actually a lot of developmental research, which um, obviously has been going on for a long time, but but yeah, no, it's, it's fascinating. It is fascinating, but like, it sounds like you have a really like healthy relationship with your father and mother. Are they still together? They are. Yeah. Um, Do you feel like the, the cult is still very much in there every day, even though they've gotten out of it? Do you feel like there's still like sprinkles of it? For sure. Um, So it's complicated. So a lot of our family friends are people that they knew from Synanon. Um, It was a cult based around this. So basically the leader, the guy who started it, um, got kicked out of AA because he like couldn't follow the rules and um, was just kind of like a loud mouth and just said whatever he wanted. So he started this community in the 60s or late 50s actually. And it was basically like clean, sober living. Um, and it developed into the first ever like go away rehab center in the entire existence of ever. Um, so they would invite, it was a lot of addicts coming out of like the summer of love and Vietnam veterans and all these people who just didn't really have a place to go. And so it was sober living commune um, and that's how it started. And then he just started developing the, his own practices and um, principles and it was loosely based on Alcoholics Anonymous um, and then it just got weird because he was like I mean a cult this, weird yeah <laughs> out <laughs> of control very, yeah I like he was a narcissist and super charismatic and it just totally got out of control in that way um, so it dissolved um in a really bad way, it's like log on involved. Um, and so my mom is, does not like to talk about it very much. She feels some level of shame. She feels some level of, um, she's pretty angry about something. So like they, um, like it got pretty serious. So part of the principles was um, you weren't allowed to have children of your own because there are so many hurt children in the world. 
and um, children of, you know, born out of addiction or whatever. And so for a while, um, well, when they decided this, actually any woman who became pregnant had to have an abortion and any, and all the men were highly encouraged to have vasectomies. And both of my parents did that. And so she's always been like very fucked up about that. Like she was really young. She was like in her early twenties. And at the time she was like, it made sense to me, but the older that I am, I feel like coerced into making a decision. And she like really resents that. And she said that she didn't really feel messed up about having an abortion until after she had kids, which is pretty common, right? Um, so she has a lot of resentments, does not like to talk about it, um, does not like, she's not involved with any of the groups on Facebook. Like she doesn't like going to these events that they have. Like she's very much like wants to distance herself from that. Whereas my father, like he, he laughs about it. Like, he's like, yeah, like it was fucking crazy. And like, we used to do this and we used to do that. And he was a madman. But um, I also think it really informed the way that he communicates with people and like views the world. Like, I really do appreciate this whole like, well, let's all sit down and talk about it. And like, he might have a point and he might have a point. Um, and like, let's figure it out kind of situation. Like as heated as things can get, like I always know my dad is gonna hear what I'm saying and same in any other situation. Like he's, he's a mixed race brown person and he's known like sometimes we joke like we can't take you anywhere because you're gonna get in these really deep conversations and people are gonna be upset and mad. He's like, well, what? Like, I just wanna know, like he's very open that way. So I think that's the main way that um, the cult has like kind of stuck around in our, in our life. Um, family dinners were a huge thing. And for that reason, um, we had dinner almost every night around the dinner table. And even from a young age, my parents were always asking us about our opinions um, and like encouraging us to like ask questions and learn things. And um, we're always, always made it known that they like wanted to hear what we had to say and had to think and like what our opinions were. So that's, I think a really good positive and something that stuck around. That's a huge uh, positive. That yeah. shows a lot of developmental benefits. Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> I'm into that. <laughs> no, yeah. it's on, it's on, it's awesome. I think that like the cult aspect of this whole thing is a whole other interesting part of mm -hmm. it and For sure but at the same time like you I just still think it's really awesome that you were able to talk to your father the way that you did because I think I I truly like I can't do that a lot of people can't do that um and I think he I mean he did make space for me to do that like even though it was hard like I knew it would go it would at least like plant a seed you know what I mean? Like, I wasn't afraid because I knew like, okay, well, he's always pushing certain things with me and we can always have an open conversation. And like, even though it's difficult, like he made it known to me that like, you can always tell me something, even if you don't think I'm going to like it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining today and telling your story. And I think that my biggest takeaway from all of this is uh, go to therapy. Yeah. Go, go to, to therapy. therapy. 
Oh my God. You'll learn so much. Your relationships (laughs) everywhere will improve. It's amazing. Yeah. Truly. Thank you so much. Thanks, Sid. Good to see you. Yeah. Good to see you. Bye. All right. Bye. Well, if there's anything I've learned in today's episode, it is to go to therapy and to learn how to communicate your needs properly. What a concept. Um, thank you for listening. And if you yourself have a interesting father-child story, please write in at daddydearestpodcast at gmail.com. I will link that in the show notes so that you can let me know your story. I would love to hear it. So until next time, bye. Bye.